Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today we have with us Lucinda Bakken-White. And author Lucinda Bakken-White began her professional career with an MBA and a coveted position at IBM. Throughout the years, Lucinda's deep connection with nature and her insatiable quest for learning has led her to study and work with internationally acclaimed philosophers and prominent figures across a broad spectrum of disciplines. Now, as an inner wildness guide, she is an expert in the process of self-discovery and personal transformation and is the author of Confessions of a Bone Woman, Realizing Authentic Wildness in a Civilized World. Through private coaching, public speaking, and her writings, she teaches how to be authentically wild in a civilized world. You're going to love this episode I did with Lucinda. This time, we're not talking about betrayal by someone else, but when you betray your authentic self, she'll explain what that looks like and how to reconnect and be true to you. You're also going to hear a little bit about spirit animals and yep, what mine is and what it means. Here we go. I am so excited to have Lucinda Bakken-White with us today. We're going to be talking all about, you know, this is a show about betrayal, but we're going to be talking about betraying of the self. So we're just going to be diving right in. So Lucinda, thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Debbie. Thank you for having me. This is a real treat. Uh, Thank you. So let's just dive right in. How can someone find themselves betraying their authentic self? Well, I, in general, we are feeling enlivened or exhausted. And when we are exhausted, depressed, stuck, numbed out, distracted, it's a clue that we are not connected to our authenticity, which is a betrayal of the self. The flip side of that is when you are curious, spontaneous, creative, enlivened, and wild, it's a clue that you are connected to your authenticity and you are being loyal to yourself. You know, as you say that, I almost picture uh, just like a plug in in a, in a socket. You either are plugged in or you take that plug out and you're just, you're not plugged in. And even when you were just, just saying those, just those descriptions, just that description, you know, you could feel enlivened and you, and you, like you have more energy or, or really not. So how have you found that you've betrayed yourself and, and what's it taught you? Well, I have betrayed myself many times over and that's what my book is about. I tell my story about how I continually betrayed myself. Uh, and it's really tricky because it's not, we're not taught as a culture and a society to be loyal to ourself I suffered from suicidal depression. I had a mysterious skin disease. I've had marital problems. And each time it was a version of betrayal to myself and I just kept peeling back the layers of the onion onion to go deeper and deeper to find who I was on the inside. But basically we, human beings want to connect. They want to be close with other human beings. We want to feel lovable and to fit in. So we end up conforming to other people's rules, the rules of the culture, the society, our family, and we deny our authenticity on the inside. And what happens over time is we end up doing too much people-pleasing. 
behaving and conforming and following other people's rules. And the irony is that when we do this, we still suffer from the effects of disconnection from ourself, which is Mm -hmm. equally devastating. So the key is balance because we are lonely and wanting to connect with ourselves too. Right. So, so how did you know that you were betraying yourself? What did it, what did it feel like? Or, and can you give us some examples of just more, you know, more specific about how you, you really recognize that you were betraying yourself? So I'll talk about the suicidal depression. I was 27 and I had done everything that my family and the culture told me to do to be successful. Uh, And I had an interesting start in life. I was raised by a single mother in poverty, not poverty, but we didn't have a lot of money. She had me when she was 20 in the late 50s. And it was an era when divorce was really taboo and there weren't a lot of single mothers. She was not a hippie. We didn't hang out with that culture, but she erased me alone and had to get a college degree and, and then become a teacher and work her way up. So when I was 11, she actually met a man who was affluent and got married and he adopted me and pushed me into the system to become a yuppie. This was so, I, 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 I came um, of age in the 80s. And that was a completely different lifestyle for me because I was used to being spontaneous and free and wild because even though my mother and I didn't have a lot of money, my playground was nature and my imagination and my inner realm. So that when my world flipped at age 11 and this amazing man rescued us Uh, We had a lot of money and opportunity and he adopted me. It was really hard for me to fit Mm. myself into the cultural mold. But I did it because I wanted to be loved and I thought I should. So this is from age 11 to 27. I focused on getting good grades and going on diets to be skinny and sitting in the sun to get tan and driving a fancy car and striving for a lot of money and image. So that when I was 27, I was living in Los Angeles in a condominium near the beach with three girlfriends driving a yellow 911 Porsche to IBM. And back in that day, IBM was the the most prestigious company you could work for. Mm -hmm. Um, Thousands of people applied for my job. And one day at work, I just felt the lie. My thoughts in my head and the feelings in my body did not match how I looked on the outside. And it was a crisis. This was 1987. And my friends and my family didn't understand why I would be sad or upset. They're they're looking at me. I don't feel sorry for you. You have it all. Mm -hmm. And that really scared me because it made me feel like I was crazy. Yes, I do have a lot to be grateful for. But basically, the way I felt on the inside didn't match how I looked on the outside. So I quit IBM, which was unheard of in those days, And I spiraled into a suicidal depression and basically sat on the couch and stared at the wall for three months. I couldn't even take a shower or sit underneath a tree. Wow. And and you know what? I want to stop you there because it, it probably looked great from the outside. From the outside, it looked like here you are, you have it all, this great job, you're, you're not worried or struggling with money and it all looks good, but there was such a, it seems like a real big incongruency with what was outside and what was, and what was inside. Did you, when, during those three, tell me about those three months when you were just sitting on the couch. I felt trapped. I felt, I wrote in my book that I felt like I was stuck between two cement walls and 
you know, I could feel the cement on my back and my chin and my breasts. And the only way to go was right or left. And I would scrape myself on the way out. And, you know, um, to the right was going back to work in corporate culture because that's all I knew. That's all I had been trained to do. And to the left was to kill myself. And so because I was despondent and I had no energy, I fantasized every which way to kill myself. And it wouldn't work because, you know, my parents were really healthy oriented. So there were no pills in the house. Our garage was a carport, um, not a garage. Um, I was really, really queasy. So I, I couldn't do anything that would cause blood. And I just fantasized over and over on how I could do it. There was no internet. I didn't know how to tie a noose. I didn't have any friends at that time because no one could relate to what I was going through. Mm -hmm. I literally laid on the couch and I cried and cried and cried till there weren't any more tears. And then I just was despondent and stared at the wall the whole time. And and you were were living with roommates at this time? I had moved back in with my parents, ironically. Hmm. And it was like, it was a basement and I just stayed there. And this is in the era when you, it was brought great shame. This is 1987, not too long ago, but still Mm -hmm. long enough that times have changed. Um, That was in an era when not many people went to a psychologist because if you did, it meant that you were crazy. And then that would bring shame and embarrassment to the family. Mm -hmm. So it took a while, but eventually my mom did drag me to a psychologist and for some reason, I liked it. And, well, I know why, but I liked it and committed to it and then dug my way out of that. Uh, but I had to pull away from my family and individuate and rethink my belief systems, the ones that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And that was my first stage and process of evolution. And yes, I did blame my parents at first, but I always come full circle with tragedy and obstacles in my life as, oh, this led me here. And without this happening, I wouldn't have gotten here. And I learned so much. And it's really not about the other. It's about me. Uh, but but in the beginning, it's that anger and blame that motivates me to move somewhere and, and, and transform and do something new. And, and I love that you said that because so often we look at anger as such a negative emotion, but it gets us moving. It does. Which is, which is wonderful. Okay, so you see the psychologist and he or she is, is, is speaking with you or help somehow getting you to think, act, move, react, respond a little bit differently. What did you notice? Well, I noticed two things. One, it was the first time in my life that somebody like listened to me without judgment. He just listened to my stories. So for, for me to be able to cleanse and tell my stories in a safe way, place where he wasn't going to judge me or use the information against me for gossip or comparison, that helped me empty something inside of me and create a void to fill it with something new. And it also got me to that point where I could start self-mentoring myself because when the words came out of my mouth in a safe container, I could kind of see the words or feel them and see what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And so that was one thing. And the second thing was I just had more energy and more incentive to move instead of that place I was on when I was on the couch for three months where I didn't have any internal inspiration or, or, or will to move. He was awakening something inside of me that was this natural inspiration to want to do something. Mm-hmm. And what did that lead to? So now here you are, you're getting first 
just more awakened, it sounds like, and then angry and then motivated to do something. So what did you do? Well, the very first step was, um, he said, you need to get out of the home and start taking care of yourself because right now you're in their home with their belief systems. And my parents are amazing people, so (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, don't get me wrong, but this is about getting in touch with who we are. And for thousands of years, you know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And yet for thousands of years, we have overemphasized as a culture and families and individuals, we have overemphasized our human nature. That's what's that which is tangible. And we have neglected and denied our invisible, spiritual, soulful essence. And this, this is what this was. I was a pioneer on the leading edge, getting at who I was on the inside. So, you know, my parents are awesome, but this was my journey. And uh, the first thing I needed to do was get out of their house so that I could get some distance and start developing my own belief systems, taking the best from them and adding in new things that resonate with me and take care of myself so I had confidence and didn't feel like I owed them. Mm. So I had to go right back to what I only knew and that was high tech. So I applied for a job, got a job, moved out into a condo. And this doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it takes time. You have to plug away. I made a commitment to therapy once a week for five years. Wow. And, and you know I what, Lucinda, getting... I just I just want to stop you right there because for so many people, they're afraid to question what they've been taught. They're afraid to question what they learned from a parent, a teacher, someone in a religious capacity. And there's often so much fear with questioning and possibly coming up with, with a new belief that they just don't. So I, I just want to acknowledge you there because it, it, it takes a lot to say, hey, you know what, this, this is a wonderful way to, to think. I'm glad it served you, but it may not possibly serve me. Thank you for that acknowledgement. And it's so true. And it speaks to our topic today because we, I want to fit in I want to be lovable. And that's what I did until I was 27. I was always trying to look the part to fit in and go on diets and starve myself to be skinny and get this degree and have this job and this money and this car so that people would think I was really cool and successful and then they would like me and then I would be, then I would fit in. But there's also that inner self, that authenticity. We are also longing and craving to connect with our inner essence, our authenticity, but Mm -hmm. it's not talked about that much. And so... Uh, that's, I think, what motivated me. There was something about me that that knew that. And I just had to keep peeling back those external layers and the social conditioning to get at who I was on the inside. Mm-hmm. And it is hard, but if you could just stop and think, okay, this is scary to believe something different than someone taught me or told me, but it's also scary not to to go inward and be my own authority and see what I think and believe. So I, mean, I uh, went back to high tech and was slowly, you know, feeling better and better and better because now I had a job and I had purpose and I was taking care of myself and I'm going to therapy. Uh, <laughs> and two things, one, old habits die hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of went back to my old ways, right? I'm in high tech and I'm making money. And then, and then the second thing is it's like, again, peeling back the layers of the onions. The, the, the lessons come back, they cycle back and you just go deeper with it. So what happened this time was I ended up marrying the CEO of the company and launched into an affluent lifestyle. So here I am working, you know, working in high tech, married to the CEO in a big mansion with fancy cars. And you'd say, well, you didn't learn anything. You're right back to where you were at 27. It's just a more advanced version of it. Mm. But what was different, and I didn't know it at the time, but I'm constantly going inward to figure this out. I was doing it on my own terms. Nobody told me to do it. 
I just did it. And that is all I knew. But going in, I always look at everything now as an, an immersion. Mm-hmm. I don't know it until I immerse in it. And because I was raised that way, it was a part of me. So I had to learn the, don't be ashamed of money and cars. There are positive aspects to that. Whereas I wanted to reject it all at age 27 and say, oh, all of that is horrible. High society, money, car, fame, success, degrees Mm -hmm. is horrible. I'm going to go over here because it's better. It's not that black and white cut and dry. It's subtle. So I dove back in without my parents telling me to do it. And then I couldn't blame anyone. Mm -hmm. I just had to say, this is kind of fun actually, because now I'm not doing it alone. I have a partner and we're having a good time here. And uh uh-oh, now I'm seeing my own hypocrisy. It's not all bad. Really what Mm -hmm. it boils down to is balance and authenticity. What parts of this do I really like? What parts of it am I doing because someone else told me to do? And it's just constantly getting into the nuances, if that makes sense. And, And I could keep going. I just kept having... And I had another crisis and I had to. And and I just, again, I just want to stop you right here because this, this reminds me, I'm just picturing this pendulum. And if you can imagine this pendulum swinging where it swings so far to one side, which is let's say the poverty and what was uh, where you, you didn't have much, but you were just really happy. And it was what you knew up until age 11. And then there's this hard swing all the way to the other side of this affluence. And you're, you're going from rejecting it to it's too much to to handle. You're not sure how to manage it. And it sounds like now you've found sort of some kind of middle ground where it's like, Hey, this is, this is kind of nice. And it's also not going to my head or I'm, I learn how I'm learning how to manage it. Wow. You have the most amazing uh, symbolic images. <laughs> that is so spot on. I had goosebumps when you said that. That's it. Yeah. It's like anything, right? You go oh, that hard swing one way, hard swing another way. And then if you just watch that pendulum, it will find that balance in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I'm going to be 59 next month. And it's been constantly going like that my whole life to the point where now as an elder, my, I'm empty next. I am fully integrated with all these different parts of myself because I just paid attention along the way and kept discerning and experiencing. And it's an amazing place to be. Um, when that pendulum lands in the middle. Mm. So talk to us about authentic wildness. I just love that term. Yeah, that's the subtitle of my book. The book's Confessions of a Bone Woman, Realizing Authentic Wildness in a Civilized World. And it speaks to this idea that we're human beings, we're spiritual beings who come down for a temporary human experience. So balance is another... um, key element in all of this. So we have our human self. We're born to die at the end of this life. Our body will disintegrate, but the bones remain. That represents our eternal self, our soul. So we're meant to balance both our inner authentic spiritual nature and our human nature because we came down here for a human experience. So the human experience is about survival or you'll die. If you can't take care of yourself and master food, shelter, and clothing, you'll die. But you want to get to that point where you also connect with who you are on the inside so you can thrive, survival and thrival. So balancing those two aspects, your human nature, that what's tangible, what you do and accomplish, and then your invisible authentic essence that is your childlike self, spontaneous and curious. So I call authentic, so I call the soul authentic wildness. Mm -hmm. And then the civilized world is like our human nature, the rules, realizing authentic wildness in a civilized world. That means balancing both sides of yourself. 
and the the authentic the, the soul is authentically wild because it is that childlike self that part of you that is playful curious spontaneous doing something because you love it not because you're worried what other people will think not because you're thinking how will i make money at this and it's wild it moves it's spontaneous it's inspired and yet we're a society when we hear the word wild we think either um Woo, let's go party and get drunk and have a wild night out on the town. Or, ooh, wild, bohemian, savage. But wild just implies movement. And the only thing constant in nature is change. So we are meant to be constantly moving on that 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 wheel of mm. like the moon and the seasons. Right. And, and and I love how you explain that. It kind of reminds me of, you know, sometimes you could be sort of in the picture and sometimes you're standing out looking at the picture. And and I know personally, there are times where I feel like I'm the only sober one at a party filled with everybody else who's drunk. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you manage both? How do you, what's a, what's, what's a good balance to make sure you're, you're doing okay in both worlds? Yeah. It comes full circle to that exhaustion thing. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're having a crisis like I did with my suicidal depression, or I had a mysterious skin disease, or if you're just, you know, there was a point in my marriage when I was so exhausted and depleted and I wanted to be depressed, but I was a mother and a wife and a homemaker and a volunteer in the community. I couldn't just take three months off and sit on the couch like I did when I was single. I So I kept going, but there was this underlying depression. Uh, and, and so when you're just completely exhausted and depleted in that way, like so many women are, it's a clue. Oh, you're out of balance. How do I bring it back into balance? That's when you know you're doing too much for other people, too much people pleasing and following rules, and you're not doing what your soul wants to do, which is spontaneous and wild and curious. So I, there's a lot of different ways that you can reconnect with that. But that's the clue for when you're out of balance. And give us, can you give us a simple one? What's something, because there are so many women listening to this right now who are exhausted, absolutely exhausted. Mm-hmm. Well, some people might know who they are authentically on the inside and have a passion. And if you do, I say do more of that. Just do it. Maybe, maybe you love to paint. Um, maybe you like to play music. Maybe you just like to play. Uh some people don't know who they are authentically on the inside. So that's a whole nother um, a, a type of exercise to get in touch with who you are on the, in, on the inside authentically and what your passion is. And by the way, on the inside, our authentic self actually has a gift that we're meant to share with the world to be a better place. And that gives our life higher purpose and deeper meaning. So there are, there's a lot of reasons why it behooves us to go inward to our authenticity. It's also our soul is connected to the spiritual realm, which is a higher vibration. So it will heal us. So anything we can do to go inward and connect with who we are on the inside will enliven us mm-hmm. and wake us up. Because when we connect with our soul, our authentic wildness, it is that higher vibration. It is spontaneous. It moves. It's wild. And it's a natural energy that enlivens us from the inside out as opposed to externally exerting energy to do something outside of ourselves. So I like to daydream. And I say to people, daydream about who you were as a child. What did you love to do when you were a child? Connect with that person. Maybe you were a painter and your parents said, you can't paint. 
You can't make any money doing that. Reconnect with that and do it. The other thing is to wander and wonder in nature with all of your senses open. Because if you activate sight, sound, touch, taste, smell, you're opening the conduits to connect with the spiritual realm and you'll start to get inspiration and energy and ideas. Mm-hmm. Create instead of focusing on the problem. Create something new. It can be simple as pull out a box of crayons and color. Just create, create, create instead of focusing on the problem. Mm-hmm. Change your routine. The soul absolutely hates routine. It dulls the soul. So change your routine. I have a 25-year-old client who she was just here yesterday and she said, um, you know, I've been a tomboy all my life and I just long to wear a dress, but I'm so scared people will laugh at me. What will they think? And I said, well, do you have a dress? No, I don't even own a dress. But my mom just bought this purple dress and I don't know, she wants me to wear it, but I don't. I said, okay, that's it. That's the perfect example of how to change your routine. It's so simple, yet it can be so profound. I said, I want you to wear that purple dress. Just wear it to the market. If you tell your soul you're willing to do something different that breaks the mold of your routine, the soul will open up and you will start getting clues on your lighted path. Mm. And it's so true, but it takes shaking up what's so familiar. And you know what's so interesting about women too, what I find, I've been working with women for 27 years. They know every single thing about everybody in their lives, what they like, what they need, what works for them. And something like this, where they're supposed to ask themselves what they want, you know, what they want, what they like, what interests them. They they often don't have a clue because it's so untapped. It's so unfamiliar. It's been so long. That's right. That's right. So all of those examples I just gave you, you know, and I work a lot with animals. Uh, I know people can really relate to animals. You know, before there were podcasts and teachers and workshops and books, our ancestors looked to the animals as their guides and teachers. And every person had an animal totem that represented their authentic nature. A wolf would never consider acting like a squirrel. So when you can align with who your animal totem is and study that animal, it's kind of a really fun, joyful way to get in touch with who you are authentically on the inside. Mm. And talk to us a little bit about symbols and animal symbols. How do we find out what our symbols are? Well, a lot of the, the, the clues come from just being aware and open to it uh, and, and, and believe it. So I follow daily and, and at nighttime synchronicities, signs, dreams, animal encounters, and pay attention to it. And then I, I, I get excited by it and I get curious. So for example, I'm driving in my car and a hawk flies right in front of my window. That's a little unusual. Mm. What does that mean? And I go home and research. I know all this because I'm doing it 20 years, but this is an example. Go home. What is the symbolic meaning of a hawk? Mm-hmm. Why is it trying to get my attention? And as you dive in and try to, to, to understand more about hawk, you kind of get go down the rabbit hole and it leads to this and that and this and that and that. And all of a sudden you're so consumed in the present because you're so excited unraveling this mystery that you're connected to who you are authentically. Mm-hmm. And you're, show, you're getting inspiration and signs and clues from your authentic self in the spiritual realm. Oh, that's so, that's so interesting. You know, and it's funny because as you're saying this, the only animal I'm picturing is a dolphin. I have no idea what that means symbolically. And I hope I'm not completely embarrassing myself, but that's what's come to mind. Wait, did you just say dove? Dolphin. 
Oh, dolphin. Oh, the dolphin is so beautiful. Well, it's a, it's a very spiritual animal um, and it's in the ocean and the water, which the, you know, the ocean is symbolic of the psyche and it's water, which is symbolic of divine feminine. And the, the, um, the dolphin is right there on that cusp of transformation where ending and death births new life. Dolphin is, is at that portal that carries souls in and out between the two realms. So that speaks to all this work that you do as a spiritual woman, bringing back the fullness of what it means to be a woman in our modern society. Wow. Who knew? And I guess that's it. Here I am helping uh, do my best to help women heal from betrayal. And I guess that's that sums it up. It, it yes. was the only, only animal that came to mind. And I have six dogs, so that could have <laughs> come to mind, but it didn't. So listen to what do you want to make sure we cover before we wrap up? I want every person out there to know that they have something authentic and beautiful and enlivening inside of them that wants to emerge, that is wild and spontaneous. And in there is a gift, a gift to share with the world, to make the world a better place, which will give your life deeper meaning and higher purpose. Oh, that's beautiful. And how can we learn more about you? Everything you need to know is on my website, which is authenticwildness.com. There's a, 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 an overview of my book, a link to Amazon where you can buy it. I have a weekly blog and more. Oh, wonderful. Lucinda, thank you so much. I know you shared just such wisdom that's going to help so many, so many people listening to this today. Thank you so much. And thank you for your good work and the connection. I really enjoyed my time with you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Lucinda. I loved how clearly she explained when we're tapped in or when we're disconnected and how to find what makes our heart sing and our soul happy. To stay in touch with Lucinda, go to AuthenticWildness.com and we'll have a link to her site in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Being authentic energizes us versus depletes us. It makes us feel more tapped in, tuned in, and alive. Checking your energy regularly will clue you in around how connected or disconnected you are as you move throughout your day. So here's something for you. It's hard to feel tapped in if you're struggling with physical, mental, and emotional symptoms left in the wake of your betrayal. You may be struggling with post-betrayal syndrome. Take the quiz to see what needs your attention and healing. Just go to pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz and let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.